Hi, this is Corey Turner. And along with my wife, Simone, we are the senior pastors of Numa Church. I wanted to thank you for listening to our podcast today. You're about to hear a message from one of our team that we pray builds your faith and empowers you to follow Jesus more closely. Enjoy the message. Wow. Why don't you stay standing for a moment? How is everyone? I thought I was being introduced to a UFC fight just there. Didn't Stacey do an amazing job? Put your hands together for Pastor Stacey. It's so good to see you today on this Easter Sunday. However you got here, you are not here by accident. You're here by purpose. You may be here to see a family member, a friend invited you, but you need to know that God loves you and that you are welcome in this uh, church family. And uh, I'm going to pray. We're going to get straight into it today. Father, we thank you so much for your goodness and your grace. We thank you, Lord, that when we were lost and dead in sin, you didn't leave us to our own efforts and devices. You sent the very best. You sent Jesus. And there is no other name under heaven by which anyone can be saved except that name. And today, Lord, I pray right now that every distraction would fall by the wayside and our heart's focus would be upon you and your word. That God, you would come and you would move amongst us, Holy Spirit. That in this atmosphere, in this significant day, as we not only acknowledge and remember the death of Jesus on Good Friday, but today on Easter Sunday, the resurrection power of Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit that testifies to every single one of us that we can live with hope, not just in the present, but for all eternity. For people here in this room may have and live good lives. Lord, I pray today that more than living a good life, we would encounter a living Saviour and that we would come to know You as Lord and Saviour of our lives. We honour You. We commit this time to You in Jesus' name. Everyone said, Amen. Why don't you grab a seat? Go with me to Acts chapter 4, verse 1 to 12. And uh, as you're turning there, just to encourage you around a few things. Firstly, Numa Perth officially launches next week. Uh, so if you are a guest with us and this is your first time with Numa or at a church, uh, we are one church in multiple locations. We have a church in Bangkok, Thailand. Later in the year, we're planting in Hobart, Tasmania. We've got a church over in Perth and all across Melbourne. Uh, but the future launch or the official launch, should I say, of Numa Perth is next weekend and it's going to be an amazing time. So make sure that we're praying for that. Also, for everyone, we want to invite you back to a, a, an all-in event tonight, 5 o'clock. We've got a special guest speaker. Uh, Teo Kondo is going to share an amazing uh, message on his testimony of being saved. And then we've got food. And uh, all things work together for those who love food. And uh, so um, not only have a great feast over lunch, but come back and be a part of our celebration tonight. Acts chapter 4, verse 1. Peter and John are disciples of Jesus. They've just moved in power, great miracle. And it says this in verse 1. As they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the word believed. And the number of the people came to about 5,000. 
On the next day, their rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem with old Annas the high priest and Caiaphas and John and Alexander and all who were of the high priestly family. And when they had set them in the midst, they inquired, by what power or by what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel and the city of Melbourne and the nation of Australia and the nations of the earth that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the building which has now become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name. That's our theme this Easter weekend. There is no other name given amongst men under heaven by which we must be saved. I wanna speak to you on the subject, no other name. We live in a world of names. People are trying to make something of their name. People are trying to make something of their life. It seems like fame, fortune, all these types of pursuits are bound up in someone elevating their name. Names are significant. It was back in 2007 when my wife and I, we had planted a church, we're leading that, two precious kids in our family. My wife was believing in prayer for another child and I was in a friend's backyard, the prophet's backyard, Dave McCracken, and God spoke to me and said, by this time next year, you're going to have another son and you're gonna call his name Joshua and he's gonna be set apart for me. And to the month, 12 months later, Joshua was born and it's been such a blessing in our family and just to see the hand of God upon his life, he truly is set apart. And throughout the Bible, if you read from Genesis to Revelation, you would discover that God sends angels, ministering messages, angels to uh, announce to parents that their child to be or child to come would carry a certain call and that call and purpose and identity would be represented by their name. And as much as there are significant moments in the Bible, there's also some humorous comedic moments in the Bible where parents gave names to their children that were a little bit out there. One of those names that one child got was the name Ichabod. How do you like your parents to call you Ichabod? It just sounds wrong right there, right? And the word Ichabod actually means uh, the glory has departed. Everyone's just gone in the dark for a second. That's what Ichabod does. It just, the glory departs, the lights go out. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus, come back. And so uh, the, the, the name Ichabod, glory has departed, actually was significant because it, it uh, uh, was uh, talking about something that had just happened in the nation of Israel where literally the Ark of the Covenant, which represented the presence of God, had been taken by Israel's enemies. And so this mother just decided that her son would remember the occasion, Ichabod. Then there was another name, Jabez. Jabez means painful uh, or he who is birthed in pain. How do you like to be known as a pain in the neck all the days of your life? I'm sure some parents in this room have looked at their kids sometimes and thought that, but don't call your kids that, all right? No wonder Jabez is praying, God, enlarge my territory, change the theme of my life, because in the Bible, your name that was given to you was incredibly significant. Well, out of all of the names 
that could have been given to the Son of God. The name Jesus Christ is the most glorious name. And it was the angel Gabriel who came to a young woman by the name of Mary, a virgin. And the angel Gabriel announced that she would, uh, the Holy Spirit would overshadow her and she would conceive of a child within her womb and he would be called Jesus Christ and the, the wonderful uh, counsellor and the most high God, that he would be the son of the living God. Jesus' name is very significant. The name Jesus means God is salvation. The name Christ means the anointed one. And when Jesus was of mature age, he opened the scroll to Isaiah 61.1 in the old covenant and he read his job description, the call of God upon his life. The Bible says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor, to proclaim liberty to the captives, the recovery of sight to the blind, to open the prison to those who are bound and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. If you ever had any doubts about who Jesus is, let me tell you when you encounter him, he brings recovery of sight to the blind. He opens prisons to those who are bound, not just in a prison cell, but in the prison of their own hearts because they've been imprisoned by sin. You've not just walked into another religious ritual today where there's some fanatics who are declaring the name of Jesus. You've come into the place where the living presence of God dwells and where God meets people and changes them and transforms them. And you've heard already some of the testimony of the power of that in this service today. You see, Jesus, as he began his ministry, began to disciple 12 young men. And he discipled them to carry on his work, to extend the kingdom of God across the planet. And the culmination of Jesus' ministry was Easter weekend. It was the death of Jesus Christ on the cross. He had to die because sin needed to be atoned for. Sin is falling short. It's, it, it's everything that's about our self-centeredness, our own rebellion against God, where we think we know better than God. So we take matters into our own hands. Yes, Jesus died for you and he died so that you wouldn't have to bear the penalty of that sin, which is eternal death and separation from him. But the good news of the gospel is not just that you can believe in Jesus because of what he's done on the cross for you, but three days later on Easter Sunday, he rose again and he conquers sin, Satan and death. And now you and I, although the earthly tent may perish and die, we will spend all eternity because of faith in Jesus. Our spirits will live on because Jesus is not dead. He is very much alive. And then Jesus pours out the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost and the church is birthed. And so when we read Acts chapter four, we're actually reading the events that just happened after Jesus' death and resurrection and as the church has been birthed and now Peter and John are going to the temple at the hour of prayer and as they go through the gate beautiful, there is a lame beggar, a paralyzed man who has been paralyzed from birth. And he is begging and asking for alms for money to survive. Peter looks at him and says, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And the man miraculously sits up, stands up and walks. And there's a great commotion as you can imagine what took place on that day. So much so that the religious leaders hadn't seen this type of thing since Jesus' ministry. And they were like, we've got to go check this out. And they ask 
Peter and John, by what power and by what name did you do those things? And Peter answers in verse 9 and 10, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, buckle up, I'm about to tell you, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus whom you crucified and God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. When these religious leaders ask Peter and John this question, by what power, by what name, they're asking by whose authority are you acting under? Where did you get this authority from to move in supernatural power, to do the things that you have done? A name is only as powerful as the authority that backs it up. Now, a little funny story, when I was speaking at a conference, I was a guest speaker, and um, my daughter was with me, and she was registered for the conference, but she left her registration details at, back, uh, at home, and so she's there trying to get into the building, and they won't let her into the building because she doesn't have a ticket, she doesn't have a registration. And so she didn't want to start to say that she was the daughter of the guest speaker who's speaking at the conference and use her name. So she's trying to be polite, respectful, until finally they're like, they're not letting this girl in. So she's like, you know, I'm, I'm so sorry. I just want to let you know that my father is the guest speaker at the conference and I'm Chelsea Turner and can I please come? Oh, of course you can come in. <laughs> Powerful name. I, I, told, I told our kids, don't you dare presume upon your surname around here. But regardless of what your name is and what my name is, there is a name that's above every other name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. You see, the name of Jesus carries authority because Jesus is the Son of God. Romans 1.4 tells us that by Jesus' resurrection, he was declared the Son of God because of all the miracles in Jesus' life, the capstone miracle that separates Jesus from every other historical figure that separates Jesus from even just common mankind is the resurrection, the empty tomb of Jesus' life. You see, there was a funny little exchange between a Muslim and a Christian missionary. And the Muslim was trying to convince the Christian about uh, the uh, foundations of his faith. And he said, well, at least when we go to Mecca, we find a coffin of our saviour and of our prophet. I mean, you don't even know where your saviour is because you can't find him. And the, Muslim, the Christian missionary is like, that's the point. If you could find him, he wouldn't be the son of God. But because you can't find him, because he's risen from the dead, his bones aren't in the grave. If you go to, to Buddha's grave, his bones are still there. If you go to some great historical philosopher or some great historical figure that has influenced movements in history, their bones are still there. But you go to Jesus' tomb and it's empty because the son of God has risen from the dead and he is Lord. And before Jesus ascended to the Father, he declares to the whole world and to his disciples, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now go. In other words, because you believe in Jesus and if you believe in Jesus, 
you have been given power and authority to exercise the name of Jesus, to see lives transformed and sick bodies restored and and people come into a saving relationship with God. You see, a person acquires a name in one of three ways. You can acquire that name through an inheritance like in royalty, or that name can be given to you like a parent gives a name to a child or the queen gives a name of sir or, or, or a dame based upon their accomplishments and, and, and titles. Or you can get given a name because of conquest. Someone like Alexander the Great got his name because of the conquest of his empire. Well, Jesus got his name all three ways. He got his name firstly by inheritance. The Bible says in Hebrews 1.4, that he has inherited a name that is far superior to all the angels of heaven. He got given this name by the Father. God exalted Jesus, Philippians 2.9 says, and has given him the name above every name. And then Jesus also got that name by conquest. You see, Colossians 2.15 says that on the cross, he disarmed the principalities and powers of this world and he triumphed over them now through the empty tomb. Have you ever wondered why it is that Jesus' name is the only name that's taken in vain? When someone curses, they won't say, oh, Buddha, when they jam their toe. No one jams their finger in the door and says, oh, Confucius. Why why is that? Have you ever wondered about that? Why do they use that name Jesus? I'll tell you why, because there's power in that name. And the devil knows that there's power and authority in that name. And what the enemy tries to do is to turn what God intends for good into something evil that becomes a curse word, that becomes a a, a vain expression and to lower somehow the authority of that name. But the mere fact that people declare that name even for the wrong reasons still tells me there's power in that name. You see, the name of Jesus has supreme authority in three realms. The first realm is heaven, the second realm is earth, the third realm is under the earth, hell. How do I know that? Because the Bible says that God exalted Jesus and gave him the name above every other name so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, firstly, in heaven, on the earth, and under the earth. And that at the name of Jesus, every tongue shall confess that Jesus is Lord. You just need to know, there's coming a time on this planet where every knee will bow and every tongue will confess, whether you like it or not. It's coming a day when Jesus returns for his church, the bride, that, 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 that every tongue, every eye, every person will have to acknowledge he is the King of kings and he is the Lord of lords. When that name is declared in the heavenlies, every angel stands to attention at his command. When that name is declared across the earth, every person acknowledges that they are not their living uh, functional saviour, but Jesus is. When that name is declared in hell itself, every demon shudders and knows that there is power in that name. Not only is Jesus' name have authority because he's the son of God, but Jesus in that name has supernatural power in it. Mark 16, 17 tells us these signs will follow those who believe in my name. They'll speak in new tongues, they'll cast out devils, they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Except you need to understand something about the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus only works if you believe in the person of Jesus. If you live vicariously through somebody else's faith, that name of Jesus may not work for you. 
But if you have a living relationship, a personal intimate knowledge of who he is by faith in that name, you start to see the effect and fruitfulness and power of that name manifest in your life. We see examples of this in the Bible in the early church. There were some men by the name of the seven sons of Sceva. And they had seen the Apostle Paul do mighty miracles. And they decided they wanted in. They wanted to be a part of this, except they didn't know Jesus. But they wanted to take the name of Jesus that Paul was declaring by revelation and faith and use it to set people free. Maybe right motivation, but wrong application. And so they decided to go to a person that was oppressed by a demonic spirit. And they said, the name that Paul uses, come out in Jesus' name, well, the evil spirit within the man sort of has a chuckle and a laugh and says, well, Jesus I know, Paul I know, but who the heck are you? I don't know who you are. And the evil spirit leaps on them, beats them up, takes all their clothes off and sends them packing. Literally, the Bible says that they ran away naked. Why? Because if you don't have faith in the name of Jesus, you can try and use that name, but access will be denied to you. Just like you try and access somebody else's phone, with your voice recognition, the, the, the phone's not gonna, you know, hey Siri, it's not gonna answer to, just right there, all the iPhones went off right there. Uh, you say, hey Siri, right? And, and that phone doesn't work, but, but your phone, it, it'll acknowledge your voice because it has voice recognition. Unless there is voice recognition, unless there's intimate connection and knowledge, access is denied. And a lot of people are going through religious rituals, thinking their rituals will save them, thinking that if they just turn up to church, that they'll be in God's good books, but they don't actually know who Jesus is. They don't know Him as their Lord and Saviour. And so when they try to exercise authority in that name, there's no power because you've got to know Jesus for yourself. You can't get to heaven or you can't know Jesus vicariously living through a relative's faith, your kid's faith, your parents' faith, your grandparents' faith. Yeah, people think all the time, well, my grandparent went to church and I got christened as a baby, so that must mean I'm going. No, that's just acknowledging that your parents are setting you apart, dedicating you to the Lord, but you have to come into your own volitional conscious choice to follow Jesus as your Lord and Saviour because of what Jesus Christ has done for you. You see, in Acts 3.16, after this miracle, Peter said, it's by faith in Jesus' name that's made this man strong whom you see and know. It's faith in Jesus that gives you access to the power of His name. And we hear story after story, not just in the Bible, but in the present. Our own pastor Stacy was in India with a mission team on a mission trip, and there was an altercation in the village they were in in northern India, and she just felt to begin to sing the name of Jesus. What a beautiful name it is. So she starts to declare the name of Jesus, not knowing that in that part of the world, if you use the name of Jesus, you get in lots of trouble. And all of a sudden, peace and calm started to come. And this man who'd been quite aggressive and confrontational weeks before actually came out of the jungle and with tears streaming down his face, came and passively sat down. He'd never heard that name, Jesus. And he came and all of a sudden, peace and calm was restored to a violent confrontation and a violent altercation because there is power in the name of Jesus. John 16 says, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give to you. Jesus said, until now, you haven't asked for anything. Now ask that your joy may be full. You know, when I was in the police force 20 years ago, I had a colleague who went around to pick up a drug dealer 
and he knocked on the door and the answer from on the other side of the door was, who is it? And he said, Victoria Police, open up. And the response came back, I've got a loaded gun and I'm not afraid to use it. Well, I'd back away too. So he backed away, called for backup and uh, fortunately it all ended okay. But I just wanna say to someone here today who when the devil comes knocking on the door of your heart with intimidation, with temptation and with fear, you're gonna have a bold response that comes back, I've got the name of Jesus, it's loaded and I'm not afraid to use it. Too many Christians get pushed around by the enemy's tactics of intimidation and fear because they don't understand the authority that is in that name. Let me tell you, there is healing power in the name of Jesus. Just before in the service at 9 a.m., I had a, one of our ushering team volunteers come up and just share with me that uh, one of the men that I prayed for just a few weeks ago had kidney failure, 70% of his kidney. It was not working. Just today, just this service, he came to tell the, the, tell the pastor, my kidney's been fully healed, fully restored. The doctors have confirmed it. Two weeks ago, um, my father was taken to Box Hill Emergency with symptoms of an acute stroke. And it was later confirmed that day that two clots were in his brain. This is the second stroke that my father has had in 20 years. I ended up getting to the hospital. Neighbours alerted me. They were there. A neighbour was there with my father. When I walked into the emergency room, my father was completely unresponsive. He was completely paralysed down one side. His face was all contorted. He was not responding. Doctors, looking rather nervous, said, we just want to let you know he's had an acute stroke and uh, there will be months of recovery. And so to cut a long story short, we laid hands upon him, prayed for him, and although nothing happened in that moment, they said, we'll be back with him after a CT scan within 30 minutes. I came back, and as I'm waiting there for him, they wheeled him in. He was sitting upright in bed with a smile on his face. His whole physical, external demeanor had physically changed. He's waving his paralyzed arm around and his leg, and he looks at me and says, how are you, son? And the neighbor's looking at me like, what the heck has just happened? And, and, and she's a person of faith, but never seen something like this before. And she goes, it was your prayer. It was your prayer. And I said, well, it was something called the name of Jesus. And, and, and he starts talking and, he, and the doctors come in and said, well, we can confirm that he's, there are two clots in his brain. He shouldn't be able to do what he's doing right now. So we're putting you in the too hard to explain basket. And my dad said, just put me in the God basket. And all of a sudden, 48 hours later, he walks out of that hospital, no issue with his speech, no issue with his body, full strength returned in his limbs. And he was here this morning, praying over other sick people to be healed on the prayer line. Because when you get healed by Jesus, He doesn't just want you to get back to zero. He wants to turn you into a healer. When you get delivered by Jesus, He wants to turn you into a deliverer. When you get saved by Jesus, He wants to turn you into someone who reaches the lost and brings them back into the kingdom of God. There is power in the name of Jesus. There's deliverance power in the name of Jesus. There's salvation power in the name of Jesus. We had a lady just a couple of weeks ago on Griffith Street, just looking at all the people coming in and out of the church on Sunday. 
And Pastor Raph went over, introduced himself, and how could I help you? She said, is this a church? He said, yes, it is. And she said, I've never been to church, but I just feel drawn by God, by Jesus to come to church. Can I come? And right there in that moment, he starts to share the gospel with her, leads her in a prayer. She gets saved by the name of Jesus in that moment. She could be here today. I'm telling you, this isn't just happening on Sundays. It's happening every single day of the week. I prayed for a a man just here on Good Friday, blind, completely blind in one eye. There's nothing behind it, disconnected. This is a miracle that's actually in motion right now. And as I began to pray, I just felt the Holy Spirit said, I wanna heal this man's blind eye. He's already had one surgery for two hours. They pulled the eye out, working on it. It, There's nothing behind it. And so he's like, it's medically impossible for this to ever come back. I said, well, what is impossible with man is possible with the great physician. Either we're gonna believe the truth of who Jesus is or we're not. And so he began to pray and, and he reports to one of our team a little bit later on. As he starts to leave the building and go down the laneway, he's been completely black for years, can't see. He says he starts to see shades of grey. And then all of a sudden he starts to see shades of light. And right now, he's, he's said, he's reported, he's starting to see like lights and images, almost like when Jesus laid hands on that man and he looked at people like they were blurry trees, sort of all walk. I'm telling you, something is going on in this house. There are healings, there are breakthroughs. Why on earth would you sit uh, on the, on the, the, in the grandstand and just simply watch what God's doing in people's lives. It's time to jump in. It's time to believe. It's time to exercise faith in the name of Jesus because Acts 2.20 says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone. Not just like really bad people. A lot of people categorize themselves. Talking to a Bible one time, I'm not like really bad. I mean, I have a bad thought here, but I'm not really, and we don't understand because we're all born in sin, we're all bad. Doesn't matter your intentions, it matters about the reality of the depravity of our own human condition. But that's why we needed a Saviour. That's why we needed Jesus. You can't save yourself. There is no such thing as self-help in the Kingdom of God. There is only God help. And the Bible says everyone, everyone who calls on the Name of the Lord will be saved. You spend all eternity in His presence. Regardless of what happens in this lifetime, your earthly tent will one day perish. And all of us do all sorts of things to try and deny the inevitability. But the reality is one day you and I will pass away, but your spirit will live on. The question is, where will you live on? Will you live in separation from the presence of God? Or will you live in all of eternity in heaven in the presence of God? This is not the stuff of fanciful fiction. This is the stuff of cosmic reality that affects every single one of us on every single day. Salvation is found in no other name except the name of Jesus. There is no other name under heaven by which we must be saved except that name. You see, everybody in this room If you've lived through 2020, anyone lived through 2020? You're like, just, just. Everybody who's lived through 2020 knows something's wrong with the world. You can't seriously say everything's just champagne and roses with the world if you've lived through 2020. The world is broken. And despite our best efforts to provide solutions for problems and answers for questions, we fall far short. 
fact, the Bible says that all of us have sinned and fallen short. And despite all that we do to try and solve our problems, find salvation in success, materialism, satisfy our sexual urges, look for superheroes in sport and in politics and rock stars to try and find an example, someone we could look up to. All of the examples eventually failed because there was only one superhero and that superhero has already come 2,000 years ago and his name is Jesus Christ. He is the son of the living God and he wants a relationship with you today. And Jesus didn't just come to save the world generally, he came to save you. He came to save your life. He cares about you, he loves you. There are people who have stood on this platform today in the morning service and this service and then tonight who will testify to the saving power of Jesus. I met such a person by the name of Hadi. He was a Muslim who grew up in Iran and he read for 14 years about this prophet Jesus in the Quran. And he asked his imam all sorts of questions about who Jesus is. And the imam said, stop asking those questions, you'll get into trouble. And eventually at 22 years of age, this man was led to the Lord by a believer and he started to tell everyone about Jesus until his uncle, who was a leader in the religious police, came to him and gave him a tip off and said, within the next hour, religious police are coming to your house. They've been tipped off. You've been witnessing. You should have kept your mouth shut. They're coming to get you. And Hadi knew that if he was taken by them, not only would he be arrested, but disappear maybe for good. And so he fled Iran and through Indonesia on an asylum-seeking boat, ends up in a detention centre in Australia. And for months he's there and he's sharing his faith. And the immigration authorities said, why should we let you into our country? To cut a long story short, he shared his testimony. And he said, in my country, my life would be at risk. But in this country, I can express and practice my faith and have the freedom to do so. They let him into the country. You see, why would God go to such great lengths to minister to an individual by the name of Hadi in a place that is hostile to the Christian faith, I'll tell you why. Because God didn't just send His Son to save the world. He sent His Son to save Hadi, to save you, to save me, to save every single person in this room. And if you think that you're just here by accident today because of a friend or a family member that you're seeing, I'm telling you, there are no coincidences in God. God has you here because He loves you. He wants a relationship with you. He's knocking on the door of your heart. And if you would let Him in by faith, I'm telling you, not only would your eternity be secured, but you will find a peace that passes all understanding, a freedom like you've never had before, destiny and purpose and calling like you never had. And more importantly, than that, you'll come into the loving, gracious arms of a heavenly Father who has laid it all on the line for you. I want you to imagine with me a little girl walking down the street with her father. She's so excited because she's about to play at the park and spend some time with her dad. And as she's walking down the street, they're getting closer to the park, she gets all excited and decides she knows better than her father. Rather than waiting to cross the road to watch for the cars, she darts across the road, breaks free from her father, fails to see a semi-trailer truck coming towards her. The father, from his vantage point, knows what is about to happen. And he realises he has a split second to respond to this crisis that is about to happen. He runs across the road, puts his body in between the truck and the little girl, pushes the little girl away and saves her life while he takes the full force of the truck upon himself. When I first heard that story, I thought that's exactly 
what it's like with you and I when it comes to our relationship with God. We're like that little girl in our immaturity and sinfulness and rebellion. We think we know better. We think we know better than God when it comes to our eternities, when it comes to our families, when it comes to our finances, when it comes to all these different things. And so in rebellion and self-centeredness, we run away, failing to realise that there's this semi-trailer truck of death that is related to our sin. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. But God, from His vantage point, our Heavenly Father, loves us and cares for us so much that He already prepared ahead of time every provision, every propitiation needed. What does that mean? It means that Jesus became our substitute. He took our place. When you and I deserve death, the Bible says, even while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That even in my worst day, in my worst moment, when my mind is confused and my flesh just wants to impossibly do what it's done, even then and go my own way, Jesus was willing to lay down His life for me and for you. And today I'm pleading with you. I'm urging you by the Spirit of God and by the name of Jesus, don't you dare walk out of this place today unless you first responded in faith to the love of Jesus and what Jesus Christ has done for you. We're living in urgent times and urgent times require urgent response. No one in this room is guaranteed another day. And yet we live so complacent, like we know what's gonna happen next year. And if you've lived through 2020, you'll know, none of us know what's going to happen. But you can entrust your life to a God who does know what happens for all eternity. He loves you. He gave it all on the line for you. So why would you hold back? Why would you hold back from a God who's done everything for you to be reconciled back to Him? I wanna invite you today to make a decision of faith, to ask Him into your heart to forgive you of your sin and to say, Jesus, I'm not Lord, you are. And I give my whole heart to you. Would you stand to your feet today? And with every eye closed in this moment, I wanna firstly speak to those who've never made a decision to follow Jesus. I'm not asking if you've been to church before. I'm not asking if you've been christened as a baby. I'm asking, do you have an intimate personal faith with Jesus? Do you know Him as your Lord and Saviour? If you were to die today, tomorrow, next week, would you have full confidence, not based on your works, but based upon your faith in Jesus, your relationship with Him, that you would know you would spend forever in His presence. If you don't have that confidence, if you don't have that assurance, then not only do you need to respond, but I'm calling you to respond today because of God's love for you. All across this room right now, there are people You're living your life, going through each day. Maybe you're living it on your terms and Jesus is coming to you today, knocking on the door of your heart, saying, open the door of your heart to me. I want relationship with you. And it all begins with a prayer of faith, a decision of faith. The Bible says, if you confess with your mouth, so it's something that we participate in, that Jesus is Lord, 
And if you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, you will be saved. It's a guaranteed outcome. And of all days of Resurrection Sunday, Easter weekend, what a day to confess the Lordship of Jesus and to believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. And I wanna pray for you and I want you to participate in this prayer. We're all gonna do it, but there are some people here that need to do it for the first time or as a recommitment. And if that's you today, I just really like to know who I'm praying for specifically because there is something powerful about us putting up our hand and saying, Jesus, today I need you. I change my posture. I change just being anonymous and I say, I'm not ashamed to acknowledge my need of you. Would you come and save me? Would you come and live inside of me? Would you come and set me free from my sin? If that's you today, wherever you are across this room right now, I wanna invite you to raise your hand wherever you are right now and we'll see it, we'll acknowledge it. Thank you so much, darling. Over here, thank you. This is not an auction. This is an eternal destiny moment. Thank you so much over here. Thank you up the back. See your hand. Is there anybody else today? Right here in the middle. Thank you, love. Thank you over here on my right. Thank you right up the back for your honesty and your courage. Is there anybody else over here? Thank you so much for your honesty. Thank you, sir. I honour you for that. Is anybody else today say, that's me? Yep, I see it. Thank you. Just raise your hand up. We'll pray together with you right up the back here. That's so awesome. Is anybody else today? I don't wanna miss, thank you, over here on my left. We don't wanna miss this moment. This is the most important moment of our service. Anybody else? Yep, thank you. Yep, once you put your hand up, you can put it back down right here. Thank you so much. Anybody else, just raise your hand. We'll see that. Okay, this is what we're gonna do. We're gonna pray together in faith out loud. And we're gonna mean it from our hearts. We're gonna pray to our heavenly Father. And He hears us and He is faithful to forgive us of our sins. Let's pray out loud. Dear heavenly Father, thank You for Jesus. I believe Jesus is the Son of God. And I ask You to forgive me of all my sin. Wash me clean. Come live in my heart. I want to follow You as my Lord and Saviour all the days of my life. And right now, the old has gone, the new has come. I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. Fill me with Your power and help me to follow You all the days of my life. And I thank You. I will spend all eternity in Your presence. In Jesus' name, Amen and Amen. Thank you for joining us for this message today. We don't assume that every person listening has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so today, we invite you to begin following Jesus as your Lord and Saviour. The Bible teaches that every one of us has been created for a relationship with God. Sin has separated us from that relationship, but God loved us so much that He gave us His one and only Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus lived, died, and rose again, conquering sin, Satan, and death itself. If we believe in our hearts that God has raised Jesus from the dead, 
and we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. So if you are ready to pray in faith, turning away from your sin and believing in Jesus for your salvation, please pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God and I ask you to forgive me and cleanse my heart from all of my sin. I receive by faith the free gift of eternal life and I ask that you would fill me with the Holy Spirit. I thank you that I am born again as a child of God and that you have made me a new creation in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you have prayed that prayer for the first time, we would love to know and help connect you to a local church in your area. You can contact us on our website, numa.church. Thank you for listening.